This is Archive Atlanta, episode 46, Motorcycle Racing. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. When you're into history and you read or do research, the biggest hurdle is usually the many available rabbit holes that you can fall into. One second, you're focused on Atlanta's movie theaters, and then in what feels like two seconds, you realize you spent the last four hours reading about fabric-making techniques in 1893. For those of you laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is how I came to today's topic. What started off as an episode on the airport spiraled off into the mystical world of amateur motorcycle racing and Atlanta's connection to it. This week, I'm telling a love story. The love of two wheels with a motor the love for the risk and fear that racing entailed, and the love that Atlantans had with watching these men and their machines. Let me start with my own personal history with motorcycles. Most of Europe is dominated by mopeds or scooters, and almost none of my friends I had in Spain had cars, but most had something with two wheels. And the level of cool that I felt riding on the back of them when I was 14, 15, 16 was unparalleled. My grandparents even had an old, small motorcycle, probably more like a dirt bike, uh, in the garage. And I remember so vividly when my mom took me for the very shortest ride of my life, and I got to ride on the back. Maybe it was these things that inspired my love of motorcycles, because around the age of 20, I would buy my very own. An early 2000s Kawasaki Ninja 500. It was not the fastest bike, by any means, but it was mine. And the stories I have of learning to ride it are embarrassing and funny, and they're for probably another episode another day. And although I left her in New York when I moved south, I would actually go back and get it just a year later. Now sadly, my riding days ended with a very minor crash as I slid through an East Cobb intersection along pavement. I lost a shoe, ripped my jeans, but did not break a bone. Um, I got a pretty good road rash, and I had the scars for a long time, but you know, after the decade or so since that happened, they faded. So sometimes I look down and I kind of have nothing else to remind me about those days. Recently, I have taken to riding a bicycle, and I make half jokes that it sort of gives me the same feeling as the motorcycle. The focus, the wind the smells, and the ability to take things in in a way you just can't do inside a car. Before getting into the topic, I have to give a shout out to two people. Chris, who runs archivemoto.com. He also has a book about Georgia's motorcycle history. Um, So we made a little bit of a connection online, but um, his website is just a treasure trove of information. I'm going to have a link in the show notes for you guys, and I think the book is currently out of print, but will be available again in the future. And then another one is to Andrew, who's a sort of another internet friend. There's lots of people that I've virtually befriended through the podcast that we've never met, but we exchange information or articles or episode ideas. And Andrew sparked the interest in motorcycle history. Probably didn't realize it long ago, but he would send these vintage uh, shots of racing in Piedmont Park, and my brain did not think that it could be its own episode. So when I stumbled on this, I'm like, oh, I have all these photos they'd send me in the past. Let's start with a very brief history of the motorcycle itself. The first steam-powered motorcycle was made by Pierre Michaud, inventor of the bicycle, in 1867. The following year, American Sylvester Roper designed one with two cylinders that burned coal. 
The poor man actually died just the next year while demonstrating how one of these bikes worked. By 1881, a bicycle strapped with a small boiler engine is able to reach 12 whole miles per hour. But the invention that is regarded as the first official motorcycle was created by Germans Daimler and Maybach and was equipped basically a wooden bicycle with a 264cc engine. In order to talk about the motorcycle in Atlanta, you have to start with the story of the bicycle. I've recently sparked a huge fascination with bicycle history in the city, and so I certainly want to do an entire episode on that in the future. But in order to give some context, we have to talk velocipedes. What is a velocipede, you may ask? Because I definitely asked when I first read that in an article. It is defined as a human-powered land vehicle with one or more wheels. And a bicycle is the most commonly known velocipede. In the late 1800s, when cycling was all the rage, that's actually what they were called and how they were written. So they were not called bicycles in print. They were usually called velocipedes. In the Piedmont Park episode, I talked about the creation of the park. The Piedmont Driving Club purchased the land in order to have a half-mile track for racing their horse and buggies. The outdoor dirt track stayed for a while. And then during the subsequent expositions, there would be many temporary and semi-temporary structures built around it. So in the 1895, I think it was the Cotton States and International Expo, a coliseum was built. And after the event had stayed around, they used it for races. Inside, a man named Jack Prince, who was a retired English bicycle racer, would build the first wooden velodrome. If you aren't quite sure what a velodrome is... It is an area for track cycling. So think NASCAR. The way that the track is shaped and slanted, cycle races were very popular. And by 1899, motorcycle riders were being used to pace the cyclists. It allowed them to go as fast as they could possibly go because they had a motorized thing in front of them. Again, trying to keep the fun bicycle stories for another episode, but you just can't talk cycling in Atlanta without mentioning Bobby Walther. Walther was the most popular and successful racer, and each rider would usually organize their own pacer. So for this really big race at the Piedmont Coliseum, Bobby had arranged to have an Orient Tandem pacer delivered to Atlanta. And this, my friends, is the first time Atlantans would see a motorcycle in the entire state of Georgia. Once people caught wind that this new machine was going to be at the races, the crowds neared five and 6,000 people. This was too big for the Coliseum, so the race had to be moved outside to the old horse track. And guys, this is now the active oval at Piedmont Park. So the next time you're running or walking or playing a sport in those fields, close your eyes and imagine the crowd watching this race. In 1909, Asa Candler, in an effort to bring his passion for auto racing to the city, purchases 287 flat acres south of the city near the headwaters of the Flint River. He would build and open the Atlanta Speedway as the first automobile races would happen in November of that year. The track was basically where the Delta Flight Museum is today, and although Candler poured money and passion into this venture, it just wasn't really popular. One year later, the facility was closed, Everything demolished and the track left abandoned. There were some early motorcycle races that took place um, at Candler Speedway, but again, it was only open for such a short time that we don't have that much information about it. 
1912, the Atlanta Motorcycle Club has formed, and their mission is to promote general motorcycle racing as well as competitions. Within months, they sanctioned their first race at the Piedmont Park horse track. Again, today the active oval. The following year, Jack Prince is back in Atlanta. So remember, he's the guy that made the track inside the Piedmont Coliseum. Prince announces that he is building the Atlanta Motordrome. A motordrome being just like a velodrome, but for cars and motorcycles. So this structure was going to be a quarter mile circular board track with 56 degree turns and built on Jackson Street at Auburn Avenue. It was big news. So the newspaper would cover this day by day events leading up to the opening. The fourth ward councilman at the time did not want the races held on the opening Sunday because he expected, quote, crowds of Negroes to attend uh, and then fights or chaos would definitely ensue, end quote. Prince, ever the promoter, uh, he, he kind of, to placate the councilman, he made it that one night was a visit only. So he would have a band, no races, but the entire neighborhood was welcome to come um, and check out the motodrome for themselves. Now, when the real opening day came, weather would be the foe, and weather would be a foe um, for the entire time this place is open. So I'm assuming it was open air, and then when it rains, if you can imagine, racing on wooden boards is really dangerous. The opening races were pushed back again and again until finally happening on a Saturday in, in June 1913. My favorite thing I came across in this research was an interview, so to speak. So the reporter he went down to hang out with the motorcyclists. You know, they'd been practicing for the opening night. And he takes this one question and he asks, why do you risk your neck riding 90 miles an hour on a bore track when you might be earning a safer living? And the responses were so basic and almost anticlimactic. They range from don't know uh, to I need the money or because it's fun. And he wraps up the article by summing up exactly what racing is about. But also, I feel like it encapsulates what riding a motorcycle feels to many, and at least the way it always felt to me. And he says, none of these men have to ride. They ride because it fascinates them. They take their lives into their trembling hands every time they start a race. But they risk the danger for the sensations. Slow clap for that reporter. In August of 1913, popular rider Jock McNeil lay dying in Grady Hospital. He had taken a dare to, quote, ride the white, end quote, which means riding the uppermost boards of the track, essentially riding perpendicular. You know, as the track goes upward, you are getting in a higher angle. Riding the white, the last board, was very dangerous, couldn't pass up the dare, um, and he made it. And I mean, everybody was kind of watching with bated breath. So he went up one board and another and another. And I think the story is he got halfway around the track on that last board before his huge crash. Injuries at the hospital were reported really gruesomely. His skin was peeled from the right side of his face. A hole was in his skull, broken bones, unknown internal injuries. Unsurprisingly, he would die shortly thereafter. The death of a really popular rider weakened the crowds, but another event seemed to put a nail in the proverbial coffin, and that was the race of African-American motorcyclists. All of the regular and popular riders were white. Names like Harry Glenn, born in Macon in 1892, got his start racing at the Piedmont Park track. He 
He would go on to race for Indian motorcycles and then own his own dealership in downtown Atlanta. Glenn played mentor to another popular racer, Oscar Lancaster, known affectionately as Nemo. Nemo was born in Georgia just one year after Glenn, and his father was a trolley car operator and mechanic. And Nemo would also have raced at Piedmont Park and also joined the Atlanta Motorcycle Club. So when a race for black riders was announced in September, people were not happy. Local motorcycle dealers were quoted as saying that this would certainly put an end to the motordrome and, quote, will popularize motorcycling among Negroes and in that way cheapen the sport in the eyes of white men, end quote. None of the dealers would sell machines to black Atlantans. After a few weather delays, the race finally took place on October 28, 1913. Riders came from neighboring states, but the local guys were Bill Jones and Lloyd Brown. And sadly, there is so little information for me to find. It's such a contrast to see how the opening of the Motordrome was covered, I mean, with seven articles just talking about it's gonna open. And then finding details on these two riders was almost impossible. There was never even a write-up about the race, so we don't know who won. One month after the race, the Atlanta Motodrome filed for bankruptcy, and the main consensus was that having a race with quote-unquote Negro riders was the final straw. It was also not really well run. The press was really harsh um, in regards to their missteps, and again, they had weather issues. New management would take over the following year, but by then World War I had begun, and a general lull in motorcycle racing would be seen across the country. Although the war officially began in 1914, the United States would not join until 1917. And as the wave of patriotism and civic duty flows through the city, 600 Atlanta motorcyclists would call for a gathering at the Peace Monument in Piedmont Park. This was, and still is, right in front of the active oval. The district manager for Indian Cycles and Harley-Davidson, along with someone from the Constitution, the newspaper, called all riders in the city to meet at 2 p.m., And although these men did not want to enlist, they wanted to make themselves and their machines available for service in any possible way. So a volunteer unit called the Atlanta Motorcycle Minutemen would be formed. And at the end of the day, some men would be drafted. And then while they were in the military, they would perform as dispatch riders or even mechanics for the United States. Lakewood Speedway was a one-mile dirt track located south of the city. It was first used by the city in 1916 as a site for an agricultural fair, but by the following year, it would hold its first races. So many of these events, they were major holidays, usually Memorial Day, 4th of July, and especially Labor Day. On July 4th, 1917, a huge celebration was planned. With thousands of locals and visitors expected in the city, they planned horse races, professional and amateur motorcycle races, and of course, fireworks. I don't know if this was expected or not, but 23,000 people came to watch the festivities. For those that won the races, there was cash involved. So for the horses, I think it was $250. And then for the five-mile motorcycle dash winner, they would get 50 bucks. And for the riders doing the 15 miles, you could win 100 And $100 in 1917 is about 2000 today. So it's not a small amount of money. The owners of Lakewood would bring back the African-American races, which I found really interesting. 
Five years prior, these races are shunned by professional motorcycle organizations and deemed to be the fall of the motodrome. And now they're being billed pretty similarly to white riders. This race was called the Grand Colored Motorcycle Championship Race. And these black riders were named the Black Streaks. The Black Streaks raced until 1924, which is incredible. These men had nicknames like Demon Wade, Midnight, and Bones the Outlaw. So for the white motorcycle racers, they were usually on a team. And teams being determined by the motorcycle manufacturer. So you were an Indian rider or Harley-Davidson rider, etc. If you rode for Harley, they'd outfit you with what you needed. But the black racers didn't have any of that. Most often, these men worked as mechanics at Harley or at Indian, but they were not given bikes, and their machines were often cobbled together with spare parts or different parts. Sometimes local dealers would give minimal assistance to their favorite rider, but that was usually because they had placed a bet on them to win. Mr. Hall Ware, also went by Demon Wade, was himself a mechanic at Indian, and he convinced his boss, Nemo Lancaster, who we talked about earlier, to lend him a bike to race the out-of-town favorite. Unexpected to win, Demon Wade pulled ahead, won the race, and won the $150 prize. Lakewood Speedway had the longest run of all the tracks we talked about today, but in 1924, the owners would file for bankruptcy. This meant an end for the black streaks. Automobiles would only continue to grow more and more popular, As you can tell by today, we're all really familiar with NASCAR, but less with motorcycle racing. Now that doesn't happen still. So there you have it, the story of motorcycle racing in Atlanta, the tracks, velodromes, motordromes, and speedways where it took place. I hope you enjoyed this topic as much as I did learning about it. There is so much more to share. This is a small snippet. So if any of this sounds interesting or something you want to learn more about, like I said, I'm going to put some links in the show notes, but definitely start Googling because you will also fall in the rabbit hole. If you need help, just call me. I'll I'll try to get you out. Thank you all for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review, but most importantly, share this with your friends or family. I promised my patrons that the mini episodes were coming last weekend. Life has gotten in the way a little bit, so they are coming this weekend, I promise. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.